0: Tom,
1: uh, that great man a national this program uh, is built to accomplish a lot, and I'm looking forward to helping it get back there.
0: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify this system
1: for but... us. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show, proud partner of HuskerHype.com. Hopefully the site gets back up soon. Uh, Justin here, along with the Cousins, Derek and Tyler. We have an interesting show planned for tonight. We're gonna have a little fun tonight playing the "what if" game as it relates to significant plays and decisions in Husker football history. That should be fun. Uh, more more on that later. First, we need to discuss some of the latest roster updates. Uh, Derek, tell us about those.
0: Well, they came out with the newest roster, and uh, there's three guys not on this this roster. David Engelhop, uh Matt Snyder, and Brian Brokop are no longer on the team. Uh, Brian Brokop had. Uh, put on his Twitter feed, former Husker, a while back. So I think that was not a big surprise. The two tight ends, well, Justin, you were so worried about having so many tight ends on this roster, I th- that thinned it out a little bit. So I, I don't know if so. any of so. I don't know if any of it's a huge issue. I don't know that any of these guys were probably going to see much playing time, which is probably a lot of the reason why they're not on the roster anymore. But it goes to show that when Frost said he has going to have that roster managed, he meant it.
1: Yeah, we're down to 83 scholarships now. And, uh, you know, those tight ends, I guess they're not huge surprises. We kind of suspected, you know, there'd be a little bit of attrition up there. Uh, But good luck to those guys and whatever they may do if they pursue football. If not, good luck to them. Uh, Also, we had a Twitter poll uh, this week, which was pretty fun. So uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, check us out. At Husker Cuzcast uh, this week on the poll, we had the picked an over/under. How many days before the first game will it take for Scott Frost to name the starting quarterback? Under six and a half days or over six and a half days? Derek, how did you vote on this?
0: I voted. You know, you guys know how I voted because we've talked about this before. But I'm guessing the fans probably don't know. So. I voted for the under six and a half days. I don't think Frost is going to probably announce a starter until maybe the day before the first game, I, maybe even game day. I, I don't see him announcing a starter anytime soon.
1: All right, let's bring in Tyler here. Tyler, how did you vote?
2: I, I was the same as Derek. I mean, you know, I think with this whole roster, Scott Frost is going to play very close to the vest. Um, And this quarterback position is definitely going to be among them. I mean, I don't think he's going to show his hand at all going into the year. I think he's going to play it close, and I think that it's going to be kind of a game-time decision.
1: Do you guys think that maybe something will come out of fall camp that blows the cover, you know, Tristan Gebbio or Adrian Martinez, something out of camp, and even though that Scott Frost doesn't name a uh, starter, People are gonna basically know who that starter is gonna be. Think any chance that'll I happen?
0: Th- I don't think so. Just because it seems like Frost is keeping the media out of the practices a lot. At least he did in the spring. Yeah. And so I don't. I. I mean, unless Frost comes out and slips up and says something, I, I don't see that happening. But uh, Justin, how would you vote? You never really told us how you voted in this.
1: I, I took I took the under as well. I think he's gonna keep it under wraps as long as he can. Uh, just for that surprise element, I mean, we're going to need all the help we can get against Akron, guys. <laughs>
2: well, but what was interesting about this poll question is, is you know, we had you know a couple hundred uh, votes on this poll, and it was very close. And and I want to put put this question out to you guys: Do you guys think that you know so many people voted for the over there because they assume it's going to be Adrian Martinez?
0: Possibly. I You know, I really uh, didn't think there was that much love for Martinez until I seen another poll. And I don't remember who put it out there on uh, Twitter, but it was who are you rooting for in this quarterback competition? And uh, Adrian Martinez had like 73 percent of that vote. and I, I didn't pay attention to how many votes they had, but to, to me, that was a pretty high number for Adrian Martinez. I, and I didn't I guess I didn't anticipate that because. A lot of the people I've talked to always seem to be rooting for Tristan Gebbia, so I, I don't know. I, uh, but apparently a lot of Husker Nation is saying they want Martinez. Not that, that matters. I mean Frost is going to play who he feels is best, but
1: Tyler, why do you think? Uh, why would you think that that people would vote the over because they think it's going to be Adrian Martinez?
2: I, I just I, I think there is a lot of There are selective media members that have made it very clear that they think Adrian Martinez is the front runner. There are a lot of fans out there that I think, to Derek's point, are rooting for Adrian Martinez, a lot of which is based off the spring game. And I I just think that, you know, you look at that and I think the presumption that he is without a doubt going to be the starter in some Husker fans and media's mind is what would lead them to vote the over there.
1: Do you think whoever starts the Akron game will be the starter all year long? Whoever that guy is.
0: I I, I don't think so myself. I I think you're probably going to end up seeing both these guys start at some point. Uh, Depending on how they play when they start, obviously. But I I just, uh, especially with this new redshirt rule, and they could redshirt uh, Martinez after three games if they wanted to, or or even four games. Uh, I, I think you're probably going to see both these guys play and possibly start by season's end. So,
2: hmm. Tyler. Hey, Derek, I, I actually disagree with you here, man. Like, I, I'm with you. I think you'll probably see both these guys take snaps at some point this season, but that's not different than any other year. I think it, uh, excluding injury, okay, obviously injury could change all of that, and both these guys are theoretically higher risk than, uh, for injuries than I would like. Um, I think whoever starts Akron is going to be the starter all year long. I think Frost is not going to want to play a dual quarterback system. I think if, you know, if Adrian Martinez is the guy, I think he's going to let him take his lumps throughout the year. If it's Jebia, I think it's the same thing. They are both freshmen. I think he's going to allow whoever it is to take their bumps. Um, I'm I mean, of course they're both probably going to take snaps at some point, but whoever starts this game, excluding injuries, I think will start every game this season.
1: I completely agree with you, Tyler. That starter right there, barring injury, will be the starter all year long. Uh, do you guys want to take a guess on who that s- starter will be,
0: Derek? I I'll stick with it. I said it after the spring game. I personally still think it'll be Martinez.
1: Tyler.
2: You know, I, I was pretty big on Jebby. I think all spring ball, um, even at the spring game, I thought he was the number one. I, I have The gap has closed, in my opinion. It is about a 50-50. But if, if you're putting a gun to my head today, I still think he's the guy.
1: Gebby will be the guy?
2: I think he will be.
1: I, I agree. I think that's who uh, the guy is going to be. He just has a little bit more experience. Uh, you know, not game experience, but experience at the college level you know being familiar with the, the college game itself he was on the travel roster you know the traveling isn't going to be too big for him and you know he wasn't hurt last year like martinez was and you know he could actually practice so i think that right that right there Tristan is just a little foot ahead of him but but we'll see uh Let's move on to the what if game. This is a creation by Tyler himself. Uh, This is uh, all these fun little games that we have in our heads. Uh, Water cooler talk. You know, what if this had happened? What if this hadn't happened in a game? How would it have changed? So that's what we're going to do right here. Uh, Any game time decisions or plays that may have affected a game. We're going to discuss the alternate. So here's the first one. Uh, what if Tom Osborne does not go for two against Miami in the Orange Bowl? Tyler. Well,
2: so, so, so the background on this, for the people that don't know, this is the 1983 Orange Bowl. Um, Nebraska is ranked number one in the country. We are going undefeated into the Orange Bowl playing against Miami. Um, we're trailing the whole game. We're down two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter, and we score a touchdown pulling within one point. And then – Probably the biggest what-if in Husker history happens. Tom Osborne makes the decision to go for two. Go for the win. Uh, we run a bootleg pass, which is weird considering all the success in the triple option, and we don't complete the two-point conversion. Um, is a play that's lived in infamy in Husker history, and I think this is a play that definitely changed the course of Husker history.
1: Dirk?
0: I don't, I don't know if I agree that it changed the course of Husker history. Uh, it was definitely a huge decision, and Tom Osborne's come out and straight-up said over and over again that there was never really a decision because he never thought about going for the tie. Uh, I, to, the, to this day, I will always agree with this decision. I thought it was a good decision. The outcome sucked, but again, I was three when this play happened, and it really didn't affect me a lot then. <laughs> However, to, to I, 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 it, maybe it makes uh, Tom Osborne' legacy a little better, but I don't, but I don't know if it changes his legacy much. Like the guy won three out of four national championships, and will always yeah. go down as one of the greatest all-time co- college coaches in history.
1: Exactly. Tom Osborne is remember will be remembered for two things: winning three or four national championships in the '90s and going for two against Miami. And he's he'll be remembered for that more than what you know. If he would have went for the tie, you know, it would have been like, okay, Nebraska they they won the national title in '83, but they tied. There'd be no story behind it, would
0: there? Well, it would have been another just share of a national title, I'm sure. So, yeah. Uh, Tyler? Well, and I, I think,
2: you know, talk about the legacy. I think that, to your point, Justin, Tom Osborne, I, I think there are, are a lot of great coaches that are in the Tom Osborne realm of greatest coaches. And obviously in the Husker Nation, he is the greatest. But the one thing that I think that separates him in a lot of people's minds, and Tom Osborne has even said this, you know, he is still known in some circles as the guy who went for two. The guy that had, and, and it's been almost myth, you know, mythology that he had so much integrity that he refused to win a national championship by going for that. He went for the win. It's just, it, it, it's part of his legacy. And you know, if, if he had gone for that extra point, you know, you do wonder how he would be remembered because, you know, even just Nebraska history, this was a big win for Miami. You know, this has been this catapult of the U movement that went through much of the late 80s and obviously all the controversy that followed. There's a documentary made basically because Tom Osborne's decision to go for two. I mean, ESPN has picked up on this. I mean, it changes the course of college football history. Um, But, you know, I think for us being a little bit younger, um, what, what him going for two did is it made the 90s a lot more special. You know, yeah. if he if he had gotten that national championship, obviously the two national championships in the 90s would have still meant a lot. But they meant so much more. Well, the three, the first two. The first two. But the, that, that 94 Orange Bowl would not have meant near as much if he already had one against Miami. I mean, that just set the stage so much more for his 90s run. Um, I'll agree and, with that. And, and I just think that added to his legacy so much. All
1: right. Let's keep it in the Tom Osborne time frame here. Uh, what if uh, what if Matt Davison does not make the catch against Missouri in 97? Derek, give us the setup.
0: All right. So I, I think most people probably remember this catch. It was probably one of the most famous catches in all of Husker history. Uh, Nebraska's down against Missouri. We're driving down the field in the final seconds of the fourth quarter. Scott Frost throws this throw out there that ends up getting tipped. Some called it controversial because it was kicked. And Matt Davison jumps out and catches his ball out of nowhere and becomes one of the biggest heroes in all of Nebraska history. And sends the game into overtime, which Nebraska ends up winning and obviously goes on to win another national title. Tyler? Well, I mean, I think what happens
2: is that there are so many ramifications if that catch isn't made. You know what? Some people, especially a little bit younger generation, don't remember is going into that season. Scott Frost was not loved by a lot of Husker Nation. Um, there were a lot of people that thought of him as a little uh, turncoat, and he went to Stanford, and he, he wasn't Tommy Frazier, and, and he, you know, there were some Husker fans that had against him. Um, him winning that national championship that year, you know, helped his legacy in Husker Nation. I think without that catch, the love affair that Husker Nation has with Scott Frost today would not be the same. I mean, obviously we know if we don't make that catch, there's no shot at the national title that year. Michigan takes it. We probably still go to the Orange Bowl and end up number two in the country. But but I think where you look at where we are today, um I, I don't know if Scott Frost, he still may be your head coach because he's that talented, but he's not thought of as the same in his Husker history.
1: I agree. Derek, actually, I cut, cut you off. I didn't uh, get your your take on what if he didn't make the catch. You set it up for us, but what if he didn't make the catch? What are your thoughts?
0: Uh, probably hurts Tom Osborne's legacy a little bit. I think that hurts his – it would have hurt his legacy more there than winning it would have helped his legacy in 83 uh, as far as Scott Frost goes, uh, I tend to disagree with you, Tyler, in the fact that maybe he's not as sought after, but I, I still think Nebraska fans would have wanted him here, just be just having the Husker ties and being in the hot commodity that he's turned into as a coach. And I, I don't think that the excitement would have been any less. I'm on. Uh,
1: actually, I. Tyler, I never really thought about it in that aspect, but I, th- I, I think Tyler's right here. I think uh, there wouldn't be that much of a love affair with Scott Frost coming back as being a player, though, because you know that really did cement his legacy. Him and him and Matt Davison, the, the duo there with the catch, and uh, well,
0: let's, let's not forget I he still would a really have been point, a former then. Nebraska player. I mean, and I, and I think just being the former Nebraska player and him being the hot commodity that he was. Was going to keep the fans as excited as they wanted to be.
1: Were fans excited about Turner Gill taking over the program? I don't think that they, you know, was a lot Turner of fans ever really wanted
0: commodity as a head coach.
1: No, but I mean, he was like the guy in waiting. You know, he was on the staff for years and years and years, and you know, they thought maybe that, you know, Turner Gill obviously wanted a head coaching job, but I don't see a lot of fans, you know, kind of. Uh, sticking up for him, so and it, could it be because he didn't have a national title as a player? I I don't know. I mean, he was a damn great quarterback at Nebraska.
2: Well, and and I I think the thought process is there were still people on the message boards, you know, towards the beginning of this hype that still talked poorly about Scott Frost. I think that would have been higher. Would we have ended with Scott Frost being our head coach? Would we have come around because he is a Nebraska son? I think the answer is yes. I think that there would be a little less excitement. But, Derek, where I am actually going to disagree with you on is Tom Osborne's legacy. I I, I get the three out of four going out as a national title. I think after he won those two back-to-back, and even though I didn't give him credit for third, his legacy was finished at Nebraska. I think he loses that game he still is loved in Nebraska history. I, I, I don't think that really changes his legacy one bit if Davidson doesn't make that catch.
1: I, I, Instead I, of I, going 60... 60- Go ahead, Derek.
0: I, I think that what I disagree with you on this is I think I think you're right as far as Nebraska lore goes, that yes, he's still loved. But as far as the national perception of Tom Osborne, I think it changes a lot. I, I think him being one of the greatest coaches of all time definitely Gets dropped a lot if he doesn't win that third national championship.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm personally under the opinion that Tom Osborne never gets the credit he deserves in the national media. I think people have pretty much skimmed over the '90s, and you know, besides some of the Big Ten and some really hardcore college an analysts, I don't think he's mentioned in the same category as Bear Bryant and Woody Hayes, and I think he should be. I think he should be in that Mount Rushmore college coaches and I don't ever hear his name brought up in that category.
1: True. Saban's dominating that whole tier. He is Mount Rushmore.
0: As much as you <laughs> hate hey. the guy, you can't disagree with it. I mean, the guy's got, what, five, six national championships now?
1: Let's not talk about Alabama. we got to move on to the third what if. What if Frank Solich does not go 7-7 seven and seven in 2002? Now, this isn't necessarily due to you know a single play or a decision, but it is a fun topic. Uh Tyler.
2: Well I think where this is fun and I think where a lot of Husker fans and you know everyone who's listening, I think just think about what Frank Solage was. I mean he was the heir apparent to Tom Osborne. I mean he was he stood next to him, hit all those championships that he won, um, you know, and he had a pretty successful beginning to his career. Um, 2001, things changed a little bit. We got blown out against Colorado and were non-competitive in the national championship. So 2002 comes, and we have the year of disaster, which was the worst year in most Husker fans' memory at the time, going 7-7. Seven and seven. So that year, we lost three games by one score. So I guess the scenario is if we pull out a couple more of those wins— and we end up getting into a nine-win territory. Maybe 2003, that seat isn't so hot. He brings in a hot colleague in Bo Pelini. Maybe he is still our head coach uh, through that 2003 season.
0: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think going 7-7 seven seven essentially is what lost Frank Solich his job. And if he could have just pulled out another two victories, or maybe even one victory, just not giving us that lose or not losing season, but the non-winning season, uh, things probably are different for Frank Solich. Maybe he doesn't get run out of town as bad as he does. But the defense was so terrible that year. I mean, there was no way Craig Bull was keeping his job. And so maybe you're right. Maybe 2003, when he brings in Bo Pellini. Our defense, it did turn around, and we played better. Uh, Maybe Solace keeps his job a little longer, and we don't go through the uh, Callahan debacle. Well, let
1: me ask
2: you, just just, let me ask you this question: So, if Frank Solace doesn't have that seven and seven season, goes eight and uh, eight and six or nine and five, whatever it is, and you know he survives the firing. How long did, does he make keep his job as head coach if he doesn't have that year? Or was it just a matter of time till he had that season?
1: I kind of think it was probably just a matter of time. We just kept on kind of uh, not getting any better. I don't think. Uh, unfortunately, you know that two thousand one game against Colorado where they ran over us—that so was the—that was the downfall of you know. Some say. The downfall of the Husker program, but that was that really weighted on uh, uh, Frank Solich a lot. And then that 2002, you know, you're talking about three games that uh, he had a loss, uh, uh, lost by one score. He also had three games where he got blown out by three touchdowns or more. Uh, Derek, you're right. The defense was terrible. Uh, I as, as I was looking through his uh, schedule and all the coaches. I almost wanted to say he just couldn't coach on the road. You know, uh, he had 12 losses on the road, but overall during his whole tenure, he only lost 19 games. So it's not like it was terrible, but the big, the big 12 wasn't that good back in those days. It really wasn't. He racked up a pretty good schedule against some pretty bad teams in the big 12. I think.
0: Well, the the last three games that we played in that in that two thousand two season were on the top fifteen. I mean, it wasn't like it was a terrible schedule. Remember, Kansas, yeah. Kansas State was a really pretty good team back then, and uh, I believe Missouri was having pretty good time at the good uh, moments at that time. Iowa State was one that we lost to that was actually in the top twenty five, and I know that's hard for people to imagine. But Iowa State, I think they had Seneca Wallace as their quarterback back then. And uh, they were a really good team. I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have still probably been able to beat them because we still should have way more talent than they did. But it, it, it's not like – I mean, they, granted, they didn't have sustained success, but it's not like these teams were terrible. I, I agree, Derek. I think that was a tough schedule.
2: And, and again, I'm not excusing the losses and whatnot. But I think where the whole thing on Frank Solich, you know, once once we fired him – nebraska stopped being nebraska i mean the days of the option a lot of the traditions died when we hired bill callahan and i don't know what success he would have had and you know but if if we don't fire him and we keep bo pelini as a defensive coordinator those next two or three years with joe daly at the helm at quarterback um you know i think they look a lot different in nebraska history and I think there's a good shot that we compete for another Big Big 12 title. Um, You know, Callahan got us there uh, in his third year. I I don't know why we would fall that far off the the point Justin made about the Big 12, especially the North. That wasn't a stellar division uh, in the mid-2000s. And I think there's no doubt we could have been a perennial powerhouse there under Frank Solich. I mean, shit, the guy has kept the job at Ohio since he's gotten fired at Nebraska. I mean, I—
0: That's he's doing some things right. Well, let's not forget the expectations at Ohio are pretty slim compared to the ones in Nebraska. He's
1: he still doesn't have a conference championship at Ohio, and he's been there for a long, long
0: time since two thousand
1: four.
2: He's kept the job at the same university for
0: fourteen years. He's actually but he doesn't have have a conference title. Coaches in football right now.
1: Okay, but just you know, he's he's consistent, but he's he's. He's not doing anything great there. Well, would, would Frank holding a job?
2: <laughs> would Frank Solich have ever won us a national title? I don't think so. Are the last fourteen years of Husker history a lot better if Frank Solich never gets fired? I believe so. We have more wins if Frank Solich never gets fired than we would under Mike Riley, Bo Polini, and Bill Callahan.
0: Well, I guess you could probably chalk up the Mike or uh, Mike Riley. You can chalk up Frank Solitz getting fired mostly. I think the fans. Because the fans were screaming for his head for so long and so hard after that seven and seven season. I, I don't know. I, I I think your sellout streak was going to be in jeopardy if you had kept him around.
1: I think he was. I think that his days were numbered anyway. I I don't think we were going to get any better underneath him. I think it would have been just like Bo Pelini, you know. He might get you nine wins. Well, hopefully plenty did get us nine wins, but I don't know. Uh, moving on. All right, this is the this is fun. This will get everybody's blood boiling. What if one second was not put back on the clock at the end of the two thousand nine Big Twelve title game against Texas, Derek? This is yours.
0: Oh, this was. I, I know that anybody who's listening to us remembers this game because. I don't even need to set this up. Everybody knows how bad Nebraska got snubbed in this game. At that time, I, I think they've changed this rule since then, but at that time, there was no, there was the rule did not state you could not challenge a play and look at the clock. I mean, the clock was not a challengeable situation at this time. And for some reason, Texas was managed to get a challenge on the play clock or the clock itself, and uh, – Colt McCoy threw a play that he clearly was trying to stop the clock and he threw it out of bounds, but he threw it about forty yards down the field and took good ten seconds to get off the off the clock over what it felt like anyway. And when they reviewed it, they looked at it and they said, Well, okay, the ball went out of bounds with one second left. And so they gave him the one second. Texas kicks a field goal and kills Bopellini and <laughs> And his uh, probably best chance at winning a conference championship. Uh, You know, know, I was looking at some of the stats in this game, and I'm going to be the most unpopular guy in probably Nebraska podcast history by saying this, but I I think uh, after looking at some of the stats in this game, maybe we don't give Texas enough credit for their defense in that game. Everybody remembers how great Nebraska's defense was in that game. I mean, they held us to four field goals and thank God we had Alex Henry. Cause that guy kicked like two, three 40 plus yard field goals. One of which was over 50 yards, but we had to settle for four field goals our, on offense. We had a total of like 106 yards in this game. Our, our, our offense was atrocious in this, this game. Uh, we only had, what was it? Uh, Thirty-nine rush yards uh, sixty-seven rushing yards and thirty-nine passing yards. We went six for twenty passing with three three interceptions. Texas played pretty good defense. You could talk about how bad Nebraska's <laughs> offense was, but Texas played pretty good defense, and and we did too. But you would have thought maybe, just maybe, we could have found the end zone at one point. And as much as I hate the one second getting killing us. Maybe, maybe Texas deserves a little more credit than we give them.
1: Ooh, I hate that take. Tyler.
2: Yeah, I mean, Texas was Iowa to me before Iowa. <laughs> I, hate, I hated Texas. I still hate Texas. Don't so worry. I do not acknowledge that take. But I think the, the, the what if of this game, guys, is if, if we don't have that one second. That's one of the best upsets in college football in the last 15 years. I mean, Texas ought, played in the national title game that year and was fairly competitive, even though Colt McCoy got injured. I mean, that would have been a huge upset. I think if we win that game, the Bo Pelini era is so different. I I think that you're looking at a guy who would have built off that. I think the the fan base rivalry that kind of started building about his third or fourth year, I don't think that ever happens because they give him a lot more leeway. I think the Bo Pelini era, I mean, he was a good coach. But he just he got in his own way. And I think if that one second doesn't happen, Bo Pelini still our head coach. He has probably put forth two or three conference championships at that point. His whole vibe is different. I think that was such a turning point in the history of Nebraska. I completely
0: disagree with you. I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I I think, well, why, why? It, I think it helps him a little bit, but I don't think he still has a job. And I, I don't think – I think the Ohio State game, I think he still has his comments that come out after that. And all the other negative publicity that he gave himself still comes out. And I, th- I think that killed him as much as not winning a conference title. It, I, if I winning was the did. only reason that guy lost his – was losing his job, then he wouldn't have lost his job. Because winning nine or ten wins every single year is not how you lose a job. It was his attitude that lost him his job. Derek, I completely agree with you. That is what lost him his job. I think the reason why his
2: attitude was so shitty is because he allowed the fans to get to him because he couldn't win a conference title in those two or two or three games.
0: Yes. I, th- I, th- I, think, I think that if he wins I don't that think conference, that- I think if he wins that conference championship, though, his expectations just grow, and I think the fans get harder on him as he as he succeeds less and less every year. I mean, just to get in on this. All
1: right, so I will, say, I will say this about the 2009 uh, game. Uh, uh, Derek, you, you're talking about giving Texas credit for the defense. Yeah, okay, they gained credit. But remember, our offense that year was just terrible. We weren't scoring a lot of points, period. Uh, it, that was going to be a game that if we were going to win, we were going to have to hold Texas to very few points. And that's what we had to do. Go ahead. I know you want to say something. Okay,
0: I do agree with you, but I don't care who you are. When you hold a team to 106 total yards, you're playing pretty good defense. I don't care how bad their offense is.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right there. But that was a game that was set up for us to win because we did what our strength was and it was the defense. Defense was our strength, so we could have got there. I do not think that game right there in the long run would have saved Bo Pelini's job at all. He had too many incidents with, uh, you know, after his uh, little thing in 2010, going after uh, Taylor Martinez at Texas A&M, the way he went went off on the refs. Maybe they deserved it, but you can't lose your temper like that, and you damn sure can't have your brother go around and Knocking some camera out of a kid's head while kid's hand while walking off the field. His uh, comments against after the Ohio State when the fans left the snotty recar- comments there that were released. That was going to come out. Nobody liked his demeanor. He treated the media like shit all the time. If the local media, anyway, the national media, I'd listen to him on Bill King or whatever, and he'd be a cool guy. I'm sure people were like, "Hey, that's a cool guy," but he treated the local media like shit. He d- didn't like the fans, uh, and you know. And then what cemented the the whole deal is when his parting comments to the team about the uh, AD, which probably were deserving. <laughs> But you just don't say that type of stuff. You don't st- say say that vile stuff right there. You know, uh, I, in the long run, he's gone.
2: I, I I okay. So yes, you guys are right. If everything in Bo Pelini's career plays out the exact same way after that conference channel, then yes, it doesn't matter at the end. But but my argument is, I don't think it would have. I think that he had a little bit of sour. Mentality after that game at the country, at the world. He was pissed off. It it never allowed him to enjoy life. I just think that 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 game gets him a lot more credit. And we hated Texas back then. We've always had this rivalry. For him to pull that win and take that national title, you know, championship hope away from them, I, I think that that gives him a lot more clout, and he gets by, and
0: these incidents don't happen. I, I he have the oper- I agree with you to an extent, but I think most of those incidents that are being brought up were a couple of years after that, and I don't think that makes a huge difference because I, I just don't see that one game changing the history of how Bo Pliny coaches the rest of his career. I don't, I don't see him winning that game and all of a sudden winning more conference titles after that. I think the he outcome could- of the rest of the seasons turns out the same, and I think I. I, I and I, I really do think that the expectations grow exceedingly if he wins that conference title, and I think fans grow very weary and very upset when he doesn't when he doesn't do it.
1: Bo and the team they had their opportunity for revenge in 2010, and they could not capitalize. <laughs> they could not capitalize even remotely. I mean, it.
2: But that loss doesn't. In- Matter as much. Like, that's the thing. It's like that 2010 Husker loss to Texas was a really bad loss. And I remember that game because that was our last chance to get Texas. That game doesn't mean near as much as if he loses that game because if we beat the. Last
0: year in the regular season.
2: That's what I mean. We played them at home. We played them at home that year and we lost. And Texas was bad that year because that was after Colt McCoy. I, I don't even know if they won seven games. They were a pretty poor team that year. And that was supposed to be our year that we beat them, and we lost at home. We ended up playing in the Big 12 championship that year against Oklahoma and was roughly non-competitive in that game. Um, started off good, though. We started off good, uh, <laughs> but we ended up not playing well in that game. And, and yes, you guys are right. Like Bo played, but I think that he was a good coach. And, and what you guys have hit on it, what killed his career was his attitude. And I think his attitude is different if we have a conference title in the second season.
1: I don't see how that one game changes his outlook on life. I think he's just a vile person. I mean,
0: well, I that must be. That. I, I still that, like both of you. But I do agree I that don't, I don't think that one game changes his whole outcome of how, how things I mean, go.
1: I, if, if that's true, Tyler, then he's really wearing that heavy on his sleeve even at Youngstown State because he's doing the same stuff at Youngstown State. He needs to let it go, Bo. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. What if Nebraska doesn't decide to leave the Big 12 for the Big 10 in 2011? Tyler, what's Well, up. I think,
2: I, I, and this will be quick and to the point, but I think of all the what-ifs we're talking about, this is the one that has the most ramifications today. I mean, that, that decision to leave the Big 12, which was formerly the Big 8, the conference that Nebraska had been in really since our existence, all the rivalries we had had went away. It was a whole new beginning. I mean, we had made two consecutive conference battle games, went to a new conference. I think that change is what, you know, we're talking about doing Bo Pelini in. He never adjusted the Big Ten life. He couldn't do it. He wasn't capable of playing in the Big Ten that way. Um, I think if we win that Big 12 championship, we probably don't leave the Big 12, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) Um, But but I, I just, I think that, that that difference has just completely changed the course of Nebraska history and college football history, because the Big 12 is a dead conference today.
1: True. Derek?
0: I'll agree that the Big 12 is probably a dead conference at this point, and Texas has really killed that since 96 and on, uh, since it became the Big 12. Uh, but my thing is, is like, this was this a, the greatest decision we've ever made? Like, You want to talk about becoming irrelevant. And everybody wants to talk about the last 20 years. But in 2009, 2010, Nebraska was ranked pretty high. People were talking about us nationally. Since we've come to the Big Ten, Nebraska's completely dropped off the charts. And I'm starting to think this is one of the worst decisions that Tom Osborne ever had. Outside of the revenue aspect of it. The revenue aspect of it, obviously, was a smart decision. Because we're making a crap ton of money out of this deal. But... Outside of money, I don't I don't see where this is really benefiting fans or college football as a whole altogether. Our rivalries don't mean anything. Playing Iowa is starting to become a little more heated, but it's never going to equal what Oklahoma was, or even or even Colorado. Who I get they left the Big Twelve too, but uh, I would even argue that. I mean, I, to, to me, if I want to compare Iowa to anybody, I would compare them to like Missouri, the Missouri rivalry.
1: All right. This, this is what happened. Okay, this is what happens if we don't go to the Big Ten. We don't have a conference uh, network. You know, there's no Big 12 network to this day. We're still, you'd still have to watch Longhorn Network, which finally a lot of people get now. Uh, okay, but, but
0: how, how many games have we had to rely on the Longhorn Network to watch Big 12 games?
1: Th- that's what I'm saying.
0: You. If we stuck around the but Big you can 12, still watch every Big Twelve game. I mean it's not like you can't get Big Twelve games outside of the Longhorn network. Is that true? I
1: is that
0: true? I, I catch a lot of Big Twelve games on Fox sports quite a bit, but okay. Okay. I don't want I don't watch Big Twelve football. It's a bad conference.
1: Yeah. We uh we wouldn't have the stability like we have for the Big Ten. The Big Ten will be around for another century at least. Uh we don't know. We can't say the same thing about the Big 12. Uh, I think this the the matchups in the Big 12 were growing stale. Uh, the matchups were there any intriguing matchups? You have Texas and Oklahoma, and outside of that, there were no intriguing matchups. The, the matchups you couldn't get up for them, and we miss out on the money. I think it's a great decision. I think there's no drawbacks. The only drawback for me, not being the Big. 12 is because i'm selfish i live here in texas and i could see more of the nebraska road games outside of that yeah go ahead well
2: let me throw this out there justin the 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 biggest thing to me is that nebraska lost its identity you know we we've always you know i think we have gone to the big 10 and kind of been an outsider in this we have never really fit in that conference you know you look at what nebraska was and we recruited heavily in texas we we since we've left the Big Twelve, we've never really found a great recruiting ground. We've been bouncing all over the country, from trying to pick all across the country with Bo Pelini did to California with Mike Riley did, and obviously Scott Frost, you know hasn't really found it. But it tends to be Florida, but we're bouncing around. I mean, there was a lot of strongholds that we had in the Big Twelve. You know, there's there's a lot of fun, and I think that I would agree, and I I don't know if you guys would. I had more fun watching Nebraska versus Colorado, Nebraska versus Iowa, or uh, Oklahoma than I would ever have watching Nebraska versus Iowa. It just it would it will always mean more, and it it it's dead.
1: Colorado wasn't sticking around anyway. Colorado's they, they made their decision before we did, so they were already going to be gone. So you could kiss that matchup goodbye. Not
0: necessarily. Uh, don't you think Tom Osborne could have maybe talked to the Colorado Athletic Director and talked to him about sticking around? Because if, if, if we had any intentions of sticking around, don't you think maybe Colorado would have stuck around too?
1: I don't think so. I think they've, like their, you know, their place in the Pac-12, It's more money for them. It's a better yeah. fit for them.
0: And you want to talk about a terrible decision. I mean, we I, we thought we think we made a terrible decision. Look at what Colorado's doing. They've played for one yeah. conference championship and one good year where they lost their defensive coordinator and they've been shit ever since. And in for many years before that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I
1: mean, so so Tyler, what what are you saying? What What are you on board with here? Is no, I'm not. Well, I think
2: it was a terrible decision. I think if, you know, I think the, the financials and what it maybe did for other sports mattered, but like volleyball, the Big 12, I think is a better or comparable conference. What? I mean, I mean, I mean Minnesota and Wisconsin are both powerhouses. Texas Penn is a State, powerhouse.
1: Penn State. Penn I mean,
2: State. I mean, okay, Penn, Big, Big 10 might be a little bit better, but. A lot better. I, I mean, there's some good volleyball in the Big 12. And. Football, obviously, now we know how it ended up. I mean, I don't know. Baseball, Big 12 is better. Basketball, probably Big 10. I mean, there's a lot of ramifications. I I hate the decision. I miss. At the end of the day, let's
0: let's all face it, this was a football decision more than it was a every other sport decision. Because that's what they are, is just every other sport. At least in the Midwest.
2: So, Derek, you, you think you had an unpopular take? This may be worth. This was a decision that Tom Osborne was pissed off that Texas beat him in the all the decision, and not him as a person, but him as a university. This was Tom Osborne getting revenge against Texas. I I, I completely think this was a big fu to Texas for how the Big Twelve got played out. He hated the fact that we didn't play Oklahoma every year.
0: He hated the way the line. I think this was a big fu to Texas. He never wanted Texas here to begin with. He made that no. abundantly clear when it happened. He made it abundantly clear after it happened. And, and, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, Texas always seems to get their way. And the network was just kind of the final straw. And I get where Tom Osborne's coming from, and I get where the decision was made. But I agree, Tyler. I think this was more of a personal decision than it was necessarily anything else.
1: He was also against a conference championship game, which he is dead wrong on.
2: Yeah. So, all right, true statement. True statement. All right, we
1: got one so, more, don't we? One more. One more. Uh, what if Taylor Martinez did not get hurt? Did not hurt his foot his senior year, Derek?
0: So it was, I believe, in the UCLA game, which we got hammered. We went up twenty-one nothing, and. Ended up losing, I think, 41-21, if I remember right. And uh, Taylor Martinez ended up with turf toe, I say in quotes. Uh, there's also the rumor that everybody's heard that he was kicking a locker at halftime of that game, or after that game. I don't think it was at halftime. It was after that game, where they, everybody thought he broke his foot. Again, that's all under the radar, I guess. Nobody really knows what really happened, but... Uh, he didn't play. He played one more game after that, and uh, there were such high hopes for Taylor Martinez. Like he, the guy had a junior year that we all scoffed at him when he said he wanted to pass for seventy percent, and the guy ended up passing for sixty four percent. And he went into a senior season with such high hopes, and then something as stupid as oh, you're getting a foot injury and being out the rest of the season. Now you want to talk about Tyler? You want to talk about? The effects of Bo Pelini's job. This right here affected Bo Pelini's job because I think this could have been a season where you probably still don't win a conference championship because Michigan State was in our conference in the Legends, Legends division that year, and they end up going thirteen and one, eight zero in the in conference. Uh, so we probably still don't end up winning a conference championship this year, but maybe, just maybe this is the year we don't lose four games.
2: Yeah, Derek, Derek I, I, I think, you know, this is kind of nice, a little full circle from these what-if scenarios. We started with the original scoring explosion, and we're, we're ending with what should have been and what a lot of people thought was going to be the scoring explosion 2.0. Um, where I disagree with your take on this is I I don't see this season being much different. Martin Martinez is healthy. I think maybe we win more one more game. Maybe we beat Minnesota. You know, if he I don't know when he got hurt, UCLA may have been on the table. I mean I, I but I don't see us winning two or three more games that year. I think what what the biggest what if in this game is Taylor Martinez, I am a fan of. Um, I've always been a fan of him. I think he's got a raw deal at Nebraska. I think if he doesn't get hurt he has a special senior season and yes we in the end we probably don't win many more games and bo pelini at that point his attitude had become a cancer to the team we still lose the games we lose but um taylor martinez's legacy in nebraska is a lot different Tommy Armstrong never touches him for total yards he puts that record so far out front that no one probably touches it. He, he, yeah. he is revered and remembered as an all-time great. He may get invited to New York um, for the Heisman ceremony. I, I, again, I think what got cheated for Nebraska fans is a really special season from Taylor Martinez.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, Taylor, I guess I kind of agree with you yet again on this one. Uh, I don't know if it changes the outcome of the season too much. Other than padding his stats, uh, he would go on to have he would be better remembered as a better quarterback than what he has at this point. I don't think it changes the season much. Uh, damn sure doesn't save Popovich's <laughs> job. Uh, it's travesty. That was that I was looking so forward to that season, but in the end, it probably didn't.
2: Can, can, can you remember, like, that has to be the most excited any of us have been for a season.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, there hasn't been a season since then we were that excited for. Well, yeah,
0: because we Cause got Mike Riley shortly after.
2: We got Mike Riley shortly after. Bo Pelini sucked the last couple of years. And this year, we're obviously well, excited 20, to see That was 2013.
0: Bo Pelini had 2014 left. The rest of it was all Mike Riley. So and we had
2: Tommy Armstrong as our starting quarterback that year. No one had high expectations for that season.
0: <laughs> pretty much.
1: Wasn't that the year that, you know, uh, it just went to hell in a handbasket pretty soon? And then that game against Iowa. Wasn't that the game where Bo Polini he just, you know, he uh, kind of told Sean Icors is like, hey, fire me. I mean, he just tried to bait him yeah. the fight. Daring him to fire him.
0: Well, I think what you have to remember too is the local media. Where, as much as he was not kind to local media, local media was not kind to him either. I mean, they're baiting him with questions like, "So, what are your thoughts on uh, rumors of you getting fired after this season?" So yeah, well, he, had some, that- he had some colorful answers, but but it's not like the media ever did him any favors, at least in okay. the later portions of his years. Okay, so two things.
2: First of all, I never heard anyone give Mike Riley credit after the third game when he started getting questions like that. He showed that you can answer those questions not like an asshole. Like, I mean, <laughs> because,
0: because you suck balls. And you so should have been he, fired after that they third both game. Got
2: fired. They both got fired. I mean... Yeah, but I he mean, went four and eight. So he didn't cuss out the me. He's like, you know, I'm trying to do my best. Bo Pelini's reaction was like, how dare you ask me a question? Secondly, more more importantly on this whole thing, though, is this season, how it would have turned, it did lead to one of the greatest moments in Husker history, and that's the jordan Wester camp Hail Mary catch. And whatever happened, you you could look at Husker history. That will be a play that's among the 10, 15 greatest Husker plays that I've ever seen in my life. That it has one of the greatest best memes uh it we would have got that with taylor martinez
0: because we don't almost lose to northwestern if he's there <laughs>
1: <Agreed>. <laughs>
0: good point that is the right, smartest thing you've said all night tyler and i'll finally agree with you
1: nice hey guys it's time for last call everybody's favorite segment where no topics are off limits last call to you tyler
2: so I'm going to pull an audible what I told you guys um, and just kind of say my last call is the toast to uh, Brooke Berenger. This would have been uh, this last week would have been his 45th birthday, um, you know, kind of doing this memory lane, kind of got me a little nostalgic. And I uh, obviously he has a special place in all Huskers memories. So
1: cheers to you and
2: your family, Brooke.
1: Cheers to you. Everybody tip your glasses here. Tip your whiskey.
0: Cheers, Brooke. Thanks for throwing that hardball out there, Tyler. Uh, I yep. got nothing to say to that. Like, I was ready to go off on how stupid LeBron was for going to Los Angeles and <laughs> how uh, Toronto was the biggest benefactors of LeBron going to Los Angeles. But uh, happy birthday.
1: Do you just want to use that as your last call, Derek?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I got, I got one. All right, go. Last call to you, Derek.
0: So uh, I don't know if everybody remembers our show on Major League Baseball. I know that's not always the hottest topic, but I found uh, this very interesting. Uh, Tyler, you and I had a very good discussion, or what I thought was a very good discussion, on how we thought the year would pan out. And neither one of us could have been more wrong on the NL East, because we thought Washington would run away with this. And hats off to Atlanta Braves and Philadelphia Phillies, who are tied for first and like eight games ahead of Washington right now. And we're heading into that halfway season where it's looking like it could pan out this way in the playoffs. So uh, good job, boys. And Jake Arrieta is playing for Philadelphia, so I'll still root for him a little bit. Tyler. Well, you know, obviously we were wrong on this, and, and, and I don't like to
2: be proven wrong. And I know Philly's in first place right now, but I, I still don't buy them. I mean, I don't think they have the bats to sustain this throughout the season. I, I just don't buy them. Atlanta, they're, they're a little bit on board, but I think Washington is going to compete by the time it's all said and done. Um, I think they'll be in this going into the postseason, but I do think this is Atlanta's division. Philly can't keep this up, they don't have the bats.
1: Go Cubs, go! Go Cubs, go! That's all I have to say about that. Leave it
0: to the guy who pays no attention to baseball aside the Cubs.
1: <laughs> yeah, who are those teams again? Is that
0: yeah? There's other
1: teams. All right, there's other teams. Hey, uh, last call to me. You know, it's been a couple of weeks since we've uh, done the podcast. Uh, I finally got my uh, issue of the Phil Steele magazine. Thank you, Derek, by the way. Derek sent it to me for my birthday, so uh, happy birthday to me there. But as I'm flipping through there, I was reminded. Hey,
0: everybody, just so you know, he's 40 now. I'm a a man! I'm a man!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, every time I think of the Phil Steele magazine, I always think back to uh, last year's episode with Patrick when we were talking about the Phil Steele magazine. And he had a a one-liner out there that we just we just kept giggling about. And it's thick, and it's huge, and it's worth your money. I mean, it was that was just so funny, and Derek and I got the full segment here also, but. When he said that, Derek and I were just absolutely speechless. We, we could not talk. It was a funny episode. If you ever get a chance to go back and listen to it. And it's thick. And it's huge. And it's worth your money. So, good, all i got to say is go and get the Phil Steele magazine. Because... And it's thick. And it's huge. And it's worth your money. <laughs> all right. Derek.
0: It's thick. It's huge. <laughs> Apparently worth your money. I don't don't know. (laughs) We giggled for so long after that episode. It it probably made for the worst radio ever. But uh, it was hilarious. And if everybody has a chance to sit and listen to that, oh, it was so worth it. Uh, Phil Steele, hey, the guy's got Nebraska winning three to four more games this year than last year. So hats off to that guy. And it's thick. And it's huge
2: and it's worth your money. Tyler? All I can say is, Patrick, I uh, hope you're listening, buddy. I, we need to get you on a few episodes these upcoming seasons, man. We miss you. And uh, Phil Steele has the best college football magazine out there, and it's thick, and it's, it's thick, huge. And it's huge, and it's worth your money. Okay. <laughs> all right. Guys.
1: Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Hey, be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out huskerhype.com for the latest in Husker news. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, and it's thick and it's huge and it's worth your money. <laughs> Go big red!
0: Just remember, we're thick, huge, and worth your money. <laughs>
2: Yeah.